You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. Okay, just before we move on, just in case we are not able to touch it, how many Nigerians are in the house? Praise the Lord. Isaiah 14, 24. This is what the Lord is saying. You can put it on the screen so we'll read it together. Isaiah 14, 24. The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so what? And as I have purposed, so it shall. Every other thing is shifting. The purposes of the Lord shall be accomplished in our nation, and men shall fear him. And the living shall know that the Most High rules in the affairs of Nigeria. Praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, on Wednesday we saw that um, entrance into this kingdom, into the kingdom of our God and his Christ, this, our kingdom, is... By birth only. Everyone who is a Christian is born into Christianity. Praise the Lord. We are not manufactured. We are not stamped. We come in by birth. And the implication of that is that everyone comes in as a baby. Praise the Lord. You see, uh, Nicodemus was somebody who, apart from Christ's coming, was at the highest level of religion but when he met jesus and wanted to partner with what jesus was doing i know you're a teacher sent from god for no man can do the things that you do unless god be with him jesus didn't tell him okay i assimilate you what did he say to him you must be born again so as mature as knowledgeable as exposed as whatever you are he said to him you must come and enter this kingdom as a baby. And we learn that the implication of that is if we all enter this kingdom as a baby, it means that it is an essential requirement or necessity that we grow. Praise the Lord. As human beings, we are all born as babies, right? But we don't remain babies. Babies, we love babies. Babies are adorable and all of that. But if you had a baby four years ago and that baby is still in that state, you won't be adoring that baby. Are you with me? You will not be adoring that baby because you would have expected some development, some maturity, some growth. The same way it is in our Christian faith. We all come in as babies, but we are not to remain as babies. We are to grow. Why is that essential? Second Peter chapter 1, we read on Wednesday, Peter said, we all have received like precious faith. All of us, every Christian has the same faith, the same salvation, okay? But as we saw on Wednesday, and as you see, if you read further down in that passage, from verse 4, Paul says, to us have been given exceedingly great and precious promises, that through this we may become partakers of what? The divine nature. So we are born again, but this divine nature, we have to encounter it. We have to develop it. And he says we do this, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through loss. Then look at what 5 says. 
5 says, but also for this very reason. This is important. It says, giving all diligence, add to this your faith. Somebody say, add to my faith. There are things I must add to my faith. You know, with the challenge we have now in evangelism and even just normal conversation, is that when you meet someone, you say, are you born again? Once the person says, I'm born again, there is nothing you can say again. Isn't it? Because I'm born again, so I must be right. I'm born again, I must be doing what I should be doing. I'm born again, you can't judge me. Jesus loves me. I'm born again. This thing is by grace, not of works. You know, I'm born again. God has accepted me. I'm born again. I have the righteousness of God. I'm born again. Nothing is against me. But Peter didn't say the same thing. And when Peter speaks, we should listen. Praise the Lord. Because Peter is not an ordinary disciple. Peter experienced failure. And Peter experienced success. So when he speaks, he's speaking not just from revelation, but from experience. Is someone with me this morning? So Peter says, we should add to our faith. And where did he do that? Quick, go down to verse 8. In verse 8, Peter said, he said, for if these things are yours and are bound, what will happen? He said, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of us have English as our main language? All of us here, right? Praise the Lord. So I don't need an interpreter. So that statement means that I can be barren and unfruitful even as a Christian. Praise the Lord. It says, if these things are yours and are bound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful. It means if they are not mine and I don't abound in them, I will be what? Barren and unfruitful. That is not our portion in the name of Jesus. Go to verse 9. He continues. He didn't stop there. He needed to make the point. He says, for he who lacks these things is what? Short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was what? Cleansed from his old sins. Can you believe that? He who lacks these things, I'm born again. But if I lack these things, I'm speaking, you know, to persons here, you're born again. But if you lack this thing, says you are short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that you are cleansed from your old sins. Go, go on, please. Ten to eleven now. It says so. It says therefore, brothers and sisters, it says be even what more diligent to make your call and election sure. Why? For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Eleven. It says for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that shall be a portion in the name of, praise the Lord, somebody. So that's what we began to look at on Wednesday. And today we just want to go a little further, you know, with that as a foundation. And I said, Peter is somebody that we must listen to because Peter has experience. Peter was the only man, apart from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who walked on water. Praise the Lord. Peter was the one who, you know, caught the fish that he caught and opened his mouth and there was treasure in the mouth of the fish, all by the word of the Lord. Peter was the one who had told all night and caught nothing. He was an expert fisherman. But at the word of the Lord, he threw in his net and what? Caught such a large catch of fish that the net began to break, okay? But I think... That part of the things that made Peter to write what he's writing was none of those. 
Do you know why Peter wrote what he wrote? He wrote what he wrote because Peter, are you listening to me? Peter for three and a half years had a colleague, had a partner, had somebody who was with Jesus with him every day, every night, worked miracles, you know, ate miracle food, saw Jesus raise the dead. And that his colleague did not make it. His name was Judas. So when people tell us, once saved, you can live anyhow. Peter says, no. I know Judas. Let me tell you. Come with me to Mark 3, 13 to 19. I'm going to show you where Jesus chose his disciples. Mark 3 says, and he went up on the mountain, talking about our Lord Jesus, and called to him those who he himself wanted. And they came to him. He called those he wanted and they came to him. 14 says, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Barnegis, that is the sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and the last one is what? And Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now, this scripture tells me that Jesus chose Judas to be with him and that he might send him out out to preach and to have power to heal. And he said, these were his disciples. Praise the Lord. So, Peter attended that same interview and 12 of them were shortlisted. And 12 of them said, we made it. And 12 of them walked with Jesus. 12 of them experienced everything in the ministry of Jesus. But Judas was not transformed by his exposure to Jesus. If that doesn't make you sober, I don't know what will make you sober. That's why Peter writes these things to us. That we must make effort, give diligence to make our calling and what? Election. Because Judas was called. Judas was elected. But his calling and election were not sure. It was not established. What is happening here? We see that exposure to Jesus for three and a half years did not transform this man. He worked miracles, but miracles were not worked in him. All manner of things, you know, happened that Judas was a witness to. When they were looking to replace Judas, they said, let's find somebody who has been a witness to the things that we are witnesses to. So let's find somebody who witnessed what Judas witnessed. Are you with me this morning? Praise God. Judas is recorded for us in the scriptures so that you and I will never be like him in the name of Jesus Christ. And this morning we're going to look at not just Judas, one or two other examples. And we're going to see him and see some other persons. And then we're going to come to a conclusion and see why. And what happened? And the Holy Spirit will help us. Another person I want to show you quickly. And I think this same person, Peter also knew him. Praise the Lord. But Judas's own must have struck for Peter. Because they were together. You know how it is. I mean, we did things together. We were in the boat. We saw him walking on water. We saw that. The other person in the scripture that I want us to point, you know, to, point to you. Is the man called Simon the sorcerer. Simon the sorcerer was, you know... Uh, maybe a magician, we may call him a magician. He was a sorcerer. And he was in the city of Samaria. Now, what happened was that until the gospel came to Samaria in Acts chapter 8, 
Simon the sorcerer was in that environment and by magic and by sorcery, by, uh, you know, in interaction with demons and evil spirits, he was exalted in that community as, you know, some power, some powerful person. But when Philip came into Samaria in Acts 8 verse 4, he says, therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. He says, for unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Verse 9 says, but there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. He says, to them all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is what? The great power. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. Now verse 12 says, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were what? Baptized. Read 12 with me again. It says, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Now verse 13 says what? Then Simon himself also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So what happened here? Simon became born again. He became a believer. He joined the number, okay? Verse 14 says, Now when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. 20 Peter, the Bible said, said to him, Your money perish with you. Because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Now look at 21, what it says there. It says you have neither part nor portion in this matter. Why? It says for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. 23 says for I see that your word poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. But before we deal with that, see 24. When the Spirit of God showed me to invite, I said, Ah. Then Simon answered and said, What? Pray to the Lord for me that which I have spoken may come upon. Simon is not a very bad person. Do you understand? From what I see here, I don't think he's such a bad person. Okay? But there's something that is fundamental here that we must learn. Come with me back to verse 12. Foundation. The Bible says, If the foundation be destroyed, what can what? The righteous do. Look at foundation. Philip was in Samaria, walking wonders, doing all kinds of things. And Simon had been the king in Samaria. So Simon, an intelligent, he was not a dunce, he was intelligent. Simon was observing what was happening in Samaria. And the Bible says, when all the people believed Philip, he knew that this was the site to be on. Look at verse 12. The first line says what? Look at verse 13. The second line says what? 
Why did Simon believe? He didn't believe because of what Philip preached. He believed because that's where the thing is happening. When, look at 12 again. You know, I'm teaching you how to read the Bible, right? 12 says, when they believe Philip, then 13 says, Simon also what? He never believed in Jesus, but he continued. Because his market, these were his customers. They had gone there. So he says, let me go with them. And he followed them. And when he got in there, everything was looking all right. Until he saw another level. He saw the demonstration of power by the laying on of hands. You see, the difference is this. Everyone who receives the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands also has the authority to lay hands on and transmit the Holy Spirit. But because from the foundation he had never received the gift of Christ, he could not also with a pure heart receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he had a mindset that this was a bigger business venture than what he was doing. Is someone with me now? So he said to these people, I can invest every amount I've made before now. You people have visitors here. I give it to you. Give me this power. When you go, I'll continue to rule these people. Is someone with me now? Now, when he did that, there was a statement that's made to him. They said, repent. They said, you have no part or portion. Repent. But the part I want you to see here is this. That they said to him, verse 23. It said, Simon, you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by what? Iniquity. Now, we're going to see that the problem Simon had was very close to the problem Judas had. But before we look at that, we're going to look at two other persons in the Bible who I can almost tell you categorically that they were worse than these two. Are you with me? They were worse than Judas and Simon. There was a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, they told us about Zacchaeus in Luke 19. In Luke 19 from verse 1, they introduced Zacchaeus to us. It says, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, verse 2. Verse 2 says, now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Okay? And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must start your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Seven said, when they saw it, that's when they saw Jesus calling Zacchaeus down, when they heard Jesus saying, I'm going to go to Zacchaeus' house, when they saw Zacchaeus actually admitting Jesus to come to his house, the Bible said what? They all, how many people? It means that unanimously the community knew that Zacchaeus, as bad as Simon was, the people didn't feel like that about him. Judas, as bad as he was, his disciples didn't feel like that about him. But Simon, ha, there was a problem. Sorry, Zacchaeus, sorry, thank you. It says, when they saw it, they all complained, say, he has gone to be guest with a man who is what? Not a man who has sinned, a man who is a sinner. And you know, <laughs> thank you, Elizabeth. Zacchaeus confirmed it to us. Then the Bible says, verse 8, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken, not if you have taken, you have taken. <laughs> what I have taken from everyone by false accusation, what do I do? 
He says, I restore fourfold. And verse 9, look at what Jesus said. Jesus said to him, today what? Salvation has come to this house. Today, salvation is coming to somebody. In the name of Jesus Christ. Because you see, the power of God unto salvation. There's nobody that can escape it if he wants to. If he gets understanding. There's nobody that can't escape it. You see, listen. God is almighty. Praise the Lord. No matter how bad a person gets, he gets that bad in God's word. I think it was last Sunday that I told us on Wednesday. That one of the things I remind myself of when I pray is that God is the creator of this world. It means he's the director of this movie. There is no actor or actress in a movie that can go out of what the director wants. If you're too strong and they can't kill you, then while you're moving back, you will trip and fall into something that will pierce you through. Isn't that how they kill strong people in movies? When they don't find a way for the chosen, you know, star to kill him, then an accident will happen and he'll die. Do you understand what I mean? God is the creator of his word. He holds all power. Are you with me? So when he says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, it means who? Whosoever. It doesn't matter what the person has done. But what we will find out here is that there are some things that insulate men from hearing. And people have a saying that when a dog wants to die, what does he do? He doesn't hear the call of his master anymore. So this Zacchaeus, as bad as it was, Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. Why? Because he also is a son of Abraham. Okay? And the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was Lord. So we see Zacchaeus here. Okay? We're going to come back to all of them. The other man I want to show you briefly is a man we all know very well. He's Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus, he wasn't someone that said this about him. He said it about himself. He said he was mad, exceedingly enraged. Acts 26 verse 11. Or maybe I read from 9. Acts 26 verse 9 says, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things. Contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He said, this I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. That exceedingly talked about he was going mad in that pursuit. He was a man who was proud you know, violent, everything that blasphemous, everything terrible that you could think about a man. That was Saul of Tarsus. Praise the Lord. But you know the story. Jesus stopped him and said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul said to the Lord, he said, who are you? Because, I mean, the people I'm persecuting don't talk from heaven. I see them, you know, in the synagogues. I go to their houses. So, how did I persecute you? He says, you know, yeah, I'm Jesus. Anyway, so he had, he had that encounter, and then he changed. Now, this Saul, we know him now, became an apostle, evangelist, you know, preacher of the gospel, loving, humble, servant of the Lord, and all of that. And you now wonder, how could a man like Saul, how could a man like Zacchaeus, have such glorious transformation and judas who we can say was just a common thief 
No, okay, not common thief. He was just an accountant. AGF. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He was just an accountant that stole. How come Judas ended up committing suicide? How come Simon the sorcerer, who, you know, was doing what he did with the revelation he had, and a better revelation came, and he saw it and witnessed it. How come he also ended so woefully? It's because of something that the Apostle Paul told us. Come with me to Philippians chapter 3. You see, I realized from the scriptures, Philippians 3, and um, maybe I read it first. If I, I go to explain. Philippians 3 from verse 1, I read. The Apostle Paul speaking here, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the love for me. To write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. He said, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the... He said, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, he says, I am more so. Circumcise the eighth day of... Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Everybody read seven for me. But what things we are what? But what things we are what? These I have counted lost for. This is where many of you miss it. This is where many of us miss it. When we get born again, the things that profited us, the things that we enjoyed, the things that shielded us, we want to hold them on and add on Christ. It has never worked. What will happen is this. If you're smart, you'll be able to hold it on and have a cover of Christ. And the Bible talks about it when it says those who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Paul said, all these things, they were not bad per se. I'm paraphrasing now. They were gain to me, but I had to count them. That word count is an accounting word. Do I have any accountant here or management student? When they teach you accounting, they'll tell you in an accounting exam, they will write a story, Mr. B bought orange, and he sold the orange for five naira, and he made a profit of this. In Mr. B's has a business has generated another. Then they say prepare statement of account. Everything in that account is going to be classified in different places. Some will be classified as assets. Some will be classified as liabilities. Some will be classified as sales and profit. Do you understand what I'm saying? When Paul says I count everything but loss. Paul said that when I take the things which were profit to me before. I put them on the loss side. Any Christian who from the foundation of his salvation has not learned and seen the necessity of counting the things which we are gained to him as lost can never make progress. Is someone hearing me? You see, Judas, when he was chosen, was a thief. Do we agree? He didn't learn to steal when he became a disciple. And the type of thief he was, he must have been an intelligent thief. What we will call a smooth criminal. Because for three and a half years, Jesus said, one of you here, one of you twelve, will betray me. They didn't suspect him. He must have been good at it. Or bad at it. Which one? He must have been a smart, you know, sharp criminal. Do you understand what I'm saying? Judas was a thief. When he got into the team of Christ, he looked around and then 
I don't know who gave him the, the treasury. Maybe God gave it to him for great mercy. I don't know. But they gave him the treasury. And, you know, the neighbors also have a saying. There's a saying that they say that when you don't want the fish to be stolen, you should give it to who to keep? Give it to the rat. Because he's the one that steals it. So when you give it to him, who else is going to steal it? He's the one that would have stolen it from any other person who kept it. So maybe that was the sense. But when they gave it to Judas, Judas was still stealing, even though he was the one to protect the money. Okay? And he kept at that, kept at that. Notice, it was not the stealing that finished him. But let me show you something about Judas that will make you fear him. In John 12, verse 4 to 6, something happened there. When the woman had broken up the alabaster flask and poured it on Jesus, you see, if you heard Judas speak there, you would think everybody was a canal. He said, um, <clears throat> well, I, I beg to disagree with this act, um, this uh, frivolous act, waste of resources. We have projects, outreaches all over. This could have been sold for much and been used, you know, to reach the widows, the fatherless. All the other apostles says, yes, yes, that's what we are thinking. Yes, you must be very correct. Jesus who knew all things, told us. They didn't know. You know the disciples didn't hear what we are learning now. Jesus by the Spirit is now telling us that this he said. You see, when your evil gets to the point where you put good on top of it, you are finished. Is someone hearing me? When your evil gets to the point that you cloak it with good, I'm a thief. Let me be a thief. Let me not be a thief and come and tell you I want to supply something to you. That means the evil has... Oh, which word now? I don't know which word to... That was when he finished. It's bad enough that you keep quiet. When they bring money, you steal. But somebody worships Jesus. And you now stand openly. And say, this thing could have been sold. You should have donated it to the ministry. And then we'll sell it and do better works. What are you pouring it on Jesus for? Did he tell you he didn't have his bath? What's wrong with you? Everybody there was looking at Judas. In fact, Satan himself became angry with him. Say, ah, we are thieves. Why do you want to look good? After that, you know how brethren behave. You attend a fellowship. A brother makes a statement. All the other brothers start fearing. Ah, this guy is deep. How many of us have thought like that? You just say something. Maybe I say, okay, ah, today is this thing. Let's go to Mr. Biggs. Then one brother says, well, why are we going to Mr. Biggs? While our brothers are dying, we should fast and pray. Let's not even eat. Let's fast till tomorrow. After he says it, the rest of the brothers will just be saying, that guy is deep. Some of them are saying those things as cover of iniquity. That was what Judas did. That was what finished him. Because at that point, he had insulated himself from being touched by grace. When you put an excuse. You see, the point I'm trying to make here is this. Jesus said in the account we read in Zacchaeus. He said, for the son of man has come to seek and to save what? That which was lost. But when you're lost and you act like you're the pathfinder, how can they save you? I get what I'm saying. Judas set himself up there and said, Jesus, forget me, I'm in my camp. In fact, he, he became such a master that the plot of betraying Jesus, how did he say he was going to do it? He said, the one I kiss. Ah, may God deliver us from Judas' spirit. People who will be kissing you and be betraying you. I get it. What I'm, people will be kissing you and betraying you. Someone said that, did you see the picture of uh, Wick and uh, Peter is there anybody who is hugging you and removing his face? You should be afraid. 
<laughs> you should be afraid of him. That one is junior. Judas will kiss you. What are you talking about? Judas said, the one I kiss, Habba, it should be the one you pinch. Do you understand? But he was so sold out to where he was. That's why mercy. Listen, the Bible is such a beautiful, you know, such beautiful, such an excellent, you know, word of God. I don't know which way to put it. But, you know, the Bible never said that, prophesied that the one who betrayed Jesus will hang himself. They didn't say he would go and do that. But you see, betraying Jesus was a sin. He didn't have to finish that way. He could have repented. But you see, because of how far he had gone, and you know the Bible says, uh, Romans 12, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. He said, which is your what? Your reasonable act of worship your reasonable service that's what the christians present themselves they just present themselves they're not smart some of us are smart we can't suffer loss for the kingdom when you present yourself how many of us have joined any military parameters you know when you report the first thing they did what they say they do is that they remove your identity so you see some people they're coming with shalama how many of us are old enough do you know what shalama is how many of us are above 50 okay the people who won't understand they're coming with mohawk or they're coming with sporting waves and they just bounce into the, the place like that the sergeant master will just laugh call the baba so that when you stand you have no identity it's the only thing that assigned to you that you are they give you white diamond t-shirt how many of us know that white vest diamond give you khaki when you stand like this, whether you were a big guy, a Juman, nobody knows. You have lost the identity. You are now a number in the military. It's the only thing that assigns you that you are. It's the same thing in the kingdom. When you come into the kingdom, you shave tribalism. You shave uh, 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 education. You shave everything. You shave it off. When you stand, if they say this side, that's where you stand. When they say this side, that's where you stand. But that you come and you maintain your mohawk, salvation hasn't touched you. Because when it touches you, it will remove everything you are. So that when you now speak, they can't speak your native tongue anymore. For the second part of that passage says what? Verse 2 now. It says, and do not what? Be conformed. Do not be conformed. Because when we come and present our bodies now, what we now say is, Lord speak and your servant will do what? Here. We have no choice in the matter anymore. It becomes a daily process of transformation. That was what Judas missed. Judas was conformed, but never transformed. He was able to put on the gag. He saw how they did it, he did it. But he never allowed it. You know the Bible will say in some places, it says Jesus will tell a parable. Then when they get back, they will go to Jesus and say, but master, you know, what meanest thou by this? What did you mean by this? Then he will explain to them. Judas didn't bother. Once he said it, he will cram it. He didn't bother with understanding. He would just cram it. He was very sharp. Praise the Lord. No, it's not a laughing matter. Just ask yourself. Three and a half years with somebody day in, day in night. You didn't know he was a thief. And they say one will betray. I mean, even as friends, you know, amongst your friends, if somebody says somebody will do something, you already guess who will do it. But Judas had so mastered confirmation that nobody thought, you know, he would. But that was to his destruction because there was, salvation couldn't meet him. 
Just like he met Zacchaeus. Now, the other person we see there is Simon the sorcerer. What happened with Simon the sorcerer? What he had, he had power before. He had demonic, you know, power by demonic covenant. When the true power came now, instead of Simon submitting himself to grow and to learn the ropes, he said, give me special advantage so I can maintain the position I had before. You see, anybody, our Lord Jesus Christ teaching us says, Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, what happens? It abides alone. But it says if it falls, listen to me. Many Christians are not able to attain the height God determined for them because they refuse to fall. I've said it here. That was the problem our, our VP had. If Oshimbajo had allowed himself to fall, he would have been so great now. But he made every effort to keep himself in a safe standing. He was hoping that Buhari, you know, would find him such a pleasurable, wonderful VP. That when his tenure is over, he said, behold, my dear VP, in whom I'm well pleased. Wickedness cannot bring forth kindness. So he was being loyal to the wrong boss. Remember at the point, he said Buhari is like his father. No, uh, Pastor Debo is the one that he's his father, not Buhari. So, when Buhari did things that were not right, instead of him challenging, and when he saw the nation, you know, groaning under, instead of him going to this man and saying, oh God, what, the, our, the people are suffering. These people gave us mandate. The Spirit of God, by mercy, raised up the wife of Buhari to do what Oshimbajo should have done for us. Wasn't she the one that cried out? Did we give her mandate? She had no say in the matter. But to protect what he had, what if these people just push me out completely? That's why he's not able to rise to the point where God wants him to be. So Simon, in this case also, he said, and remember, praise the Lord, in the Sunday school class in Samaria, the people he was doing magic for had become a senior. So if he went through the normal process, all the people that were afraid of him would be his new converse teacher. Is someone with me here? So when Simon saw it, he called the apostles and said, please, I cannot go down to this level. Let me give you money. Give me this power so I can assume my position of leadership in this community. Don't mess up my reputation. That's why they said to him, there's something wrong here. Go down to that place where they told him you're poisoned. They said to him, you have a problem here. This is what they said. They said to him, you're bound. Thank you. Yes. He said, you're poisoned by what? bitterness and bound by iniquity that binding means you're no longer free you know the bible says where the spirit of the lord is what is there yes but when iniquity when some things hold you where there's liberty you can't have liberty that's what you know i, I was saying when i said that some people are so compromised they can't speak the truth anymore imagine if as a church brethren listen to me. imagine if as a church now this ahmed ahmed i know you're very nice boy, so i can use it as an example this ahmed is you know an adulterer you know all of that every time the wife is lamenting to me but ahmed we are now 75 million ahmed gave us 80 million say keep it use the change in case there are you know adjustments to be made when the spirit of god moves me to preach against adultery i say you know the lord is love whatever you have done the lord will forgive you it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if i move in that side ahmed will say <coughs> What would have happened is that the liberty that I have in the spirit will be bound. I will no longer be able to express myself because some personal and private interests are what? 
are restraining me. That's what they said. He said, you're bound. So the spirit of God is moving. You know, brethren, when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, you know the way the Bible talks about poured out. The Holy Spirit is poured out. He's giving freely. So why should somebody be there and not receive? It's because he's bound. He's bound. So you're hearing it, you can't hear it because you're bound. You're seeing it, but you can't see because you're bound. That's what happened to Simon. He's seen the move of God. He's seen, the, he's seen that this thing is working. But because he was bound in iniquity, he could not open up himself to receive it. There was an insulator. But let's look at Zacchaeus. Are you with me? In Luke 19. See what happened with Zacchaeus. Very interesting. In Luke 19, verse 2, the Bible says, Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector. And what? And what? And what? He was rich. Zacchaeus was a rich man. Okay? Now, when Jesus said, I will go to your house, he was a rich man. But when, I don't know at what point that transformation had. Maybe when the people complained and said, this man is a sinner. Zacchaeus knew he was a sinner. He didn't need the people to tell him he was a sinner. When they said he was a sinner, he knew he was a sinner. The Bible says then, verse 8, then, what happened? Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give what? Half of my goods to the poor. And what? By false accusation, I restore what? Do you know the implication of that? He became a poor man. Many of us have come into Christianity maintaining what we had. Struggling to maintain. There can be no transformation. Maintain position. Maintain advantages. Maintain, you know, uh, uh, ideologies. Maintain different things. Well, how, how would there be transformation? When the Bible talks about our faith, the Apostle Paul writing, he will say, take off the old man and put on the new one. And the way the Spirit of God was explaining this to me is this. No matter how beautiful a garment, I come to church now, and you know, Pastor Livingstone blesses me with a nice suit. If I put it on what I'm wearing, it cannot look good. You give me a nice pair of shoes, I take my own shoes with, and put inside those shoes, I cannot enjoy it. Do you understand? So the fundamental of, we're talking about the newborn growing and development, right? The fundamental of growth in this kingdom is that the old must not hold you. Are you listening to me? The old must not hold you. If you see yourself being held by the old, you're insulating yourself to the work of God. Have you ever wondered, brethren, what is wrong with all of the Chaldeans or Chaldeans? Now God appeared to Abraham and said, get out. Was it the capital of iniquity? Was it the city of sin? Was it Sodom and Gomorrah? Why did God say to him, come out? Because he wants to do a new thing. He said, come out of your country. Come out of your kindred. Come out of everywhere you are. Come out. Because whenever God wants to do something with you, he will bring you out from where you are so that he can have you all for himself. It takes wisdom to leave and to cleave. It's a challenge with marriages as well. Some ladies marry... <laughs> And they want their husband to come and, you know. Also, some men also marry. And they bring their tradition. I'm sure such men are no longer in the father's church. Men who demand that their wives will be slaves. Somebody said that if you need a house girl, employ one. If you need a wife, marry a wife. Your wife is your friend. Your wife is your partner. Do you understand? Your wife is your co-traveler. She's your help suitable for you. It's not your house girl. 
Now, if she washes and cooks and does the chores for you, beautiful. But if that was what you needed, apply, you know, put advert and employ one. And also for the ladies, if you need a financer, go to trade that money, you know. Mm-mm. Marriage is <laughs> fellowship. Are you with me? Your husband will provide for you, but that's not his job. He's to be husband for you. If he does his best and there is no provision, still love him and submit to him. The standard where a woman begins to insult a man because he's not bringing money. You should have gone to an empowerment seminar. You don't need a husband. A husband is there with you to rise. Why did they put for better or for worse? Why do they say you cleave? It's not conditional. That's what I've said it here. If you look at a man and you don't see in that man enough glory to surrender to him, whether he has money or not. Some of us ladies now, you judge whether you marry a man with the car he has and the money he has. You're in trouble because those things are fleeting. Praise the Lord. Those things are fleeting. They may never be there. When you converse with the man, is he making sense? Or my that does he have commons? Is he somebody that when he says something, he says, which kind of man I marry you? <laughs> you understand? You have to evaluate those things. Okay? And then when you're marrying a lady, ask yourself, is she a companion? Will I just want to stay with her? Because I don't understand how men can marry. And then you're hanging out more with men than with your wife. Why did you marry? You married to go and do Chelsea. And man you the whole day from man you to Chelsea, Chelsea to uh, Unkwabi, Unkwabi to uh, roasted fish. Then you just come back and tell your wife, How are you? Then you go to bed. Why did you marry? Eh? There is a boys' club, there is boys' brigade. You know, join one of them. Boy Scout, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Join Boy Scout and hang out with the boys. Why are you married? So God will always demand you come out because if you hold on to anything, it will spoil the work. And that's the problem we're having in Nigeria today. A lot of us Christians, they say Christianity is not working in Nigeria. The reason is that many Christians did not come out from where they are. They have not come out from tribe. They have not come out from mentality. You must make money. Listen, there are problems in Nigeria. And one of our major problems is economic hardship. But you see, when you become a Christian, it's not a process to solve your economic situation. If you want to solve your economic situation, Jabba, go there, uh, wash cups, you know, and not old men or old women you earn enough money but if it's christianity you want when you come in here faith means that you surrender your life to jesus and however he wants to lead you listen you see prosperity is good poverty is bad but none of them are against what god can use to perfect his will in your life is somebody getting it our lord and master jesus did he fulfill his purpose what does the bible say about him for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For though he was rich, for my sake he became. Did the poverty hinder his ministry? Praise the Lord, somebody. Child of God, what are you holding on to? For some of us, talk Christianity, talk Christianity. When it concerns, you know, one area of life, the person will, you, will just react. Say, don't touch there, don't touch there. As long as you're there, remember we have an adversary. You know, our adversary has doziers on you. He has areas that you don't want to be toyed with. Listen, if you want to talk to me, not in front of my friends. Not in front. Don't tell me that in front of your friends. So they say, his friends, his friends, his friends. So anytime you're with your friends, that's when the enemy is going to bring. And you'll never be able to yield to what God is saying. They some they say, money. There are some Christians born again. No? But if they don't have money, 
if you like, shall praise the Lord anyhow you like. They've just been wondering, how come this deal didn't click? Praise the Lord. The guy will be lost. How come? You know, how did this happen? I'm broke. Now, when you do that, you insulate yourself to the move of God. Our brother Raj shared a testimony with us yesterday for those who were at the prayer meeting. You know, just testifying to the marvelous ways God works. He said at this time he lived in Kubwa, okay? So from this Kubwa, he would journey to Banex, you know, by transport, and then trek from Banex to Area 10, you know, where he did some of his runs. And then he has a customer at the call center, business center, where because this person is his customer, a lady, sometimes if he's out of transport money, the lady will give him money, and then next time he will pay it. So this particular day, he journeyed there with his last money, finished what he was doing. I went to the lady and just said, ah, Madam, please, 1000 you know. On the normal, this thing, normal day, the lady will give him the 1000 When it comes, maybe the next day or following, he'll give him back the 1000 So this particular day, right, said he went to the lady and said, you know, please, 1000 He said the lady insulted him, eh? The lady insulted him from head to toe. So he got out of the place and was wondering, what will he do? I think it was a classical case of, you know, my help comes from the Lord. who made. So he just stood there and was gazing and moping. He said before he knew it, he didn't know Pastor Emma had been transferred to the branch that was closed there. There was Pastor Emma in front of his branch. And he said, ah, Raj. Raj said, Pastor Emma. He went and greeted Pastor Emma. And Pastor Ma said, Raj, Raj, ah, what have I done for you this year? He said, come with me. Pastor Ma took him inside the office, gave him an envelope with 20,000 naira in a space of minutes. You know the best side of the story? He said, when he took the envelope, he went back to the woman and said, thank you. Thank you. Do you understand? Because if the woman gave him the 1,000, he would never have seen Pastor Ma. Are you getting what I'm saying? It is God we are talking about. There's no situation he cannot, but you must permit him. So, as Christians, this morning, we have to grow, but we have to learn some things. The apostle says, when I became a man, I put away what? Childish things. There are things that are childish. There are things that are not of the kingdom. There are things that are not worth speaking. There are things that are not worth getting angry about. I've told you here. Listen, if you insult me, what kind of insult will you even insult me? If you tell me I'm fat, you help me. I will probably not eat as much as I'll eat this afternoon. So I'll become slimmer. If you tell me I'm stupid, I will try and get wiser. What type of insult? You insult me, insult me, I don't mind. But when you insult the word of God, you're in trouble. Because that one is not for me to defend. I get in what I'm saying. It's not for me. I'm not even a part of it. I'm just like a, a waiter that is delivering it. So when you insult it, the one who prepared it will answer you. I get it, what I'm saying. It's not for me. So, as Christians, there are things you don't bother. Once it's personal, know that it's an area you will lose. Tell me, Igbos are stupid. I say, I think so. They must be born again. Isn't that what Jesus said? These people are this. Uh, who is so good that they don't need to be born? Which tribe? Which group of people? He said, you're fully, you don't know anything. He said, please teach me. Let me know. There's nothing to hold on to apart the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is only one savior. There is only one perfect one. There is only one righteous one. His name is Jesus Christ, the son of God. Once it's not about him, it's not worth it. Are you getting what I'm saying? If you try to hold on to anything, oh, you know, for those of us who are here, I must tell you, 
Just in case somebody misunderstands me. We need money. Praise the Lord. We need a lot of money in this church. Praise God. But you see, not having money. Ah, we need speakers and all kinds of things. But God is moving in touched houses. Without microphone. With benches. Jesus is, you know, demonstrating his power all over the world. Without any of this. Do you understand? So, that can never divert me to where I begin to seek what is not fundamental. A lot of people go those directions. Not for the kingdom. You see, when you maintain the kingdom, it's a straight and narrow path. And what you need is not too much. But when you get diverted, that's when you need a lot of things. We went somewhere recently. I was a pastor there. Another pastor was there. I trekked to the, to the place where they were doing this the other pastor there had about 14 protocols. And while he was in the car, they were jogging beside the car. Hallelujah. Powerful man of God. We give God glory. Now, nah, bye-bye. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> what is your own? Is that necessary for living? He says, it's given to us all things that pertain to life and what? I want to ask you, what is it that is a must-have for you? Let's go back to Paul as a roundup. What is it that is a must-have? Philippians 3. It says, But what things were gained to me, these are what? Counted loss for Christ. It says, Yet indeed I also count all things lost. Why? It says, For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as what? Rubbish that I may gain Christ. The pursuit you and I have is to gain Christ. Is to grow in him. That gain Christ is to have more of him. Let me show you what the Bible says in another place. Now, 2 Corinthians 3. We're still going to come back to Paul there. Just in case I, don't, I, I, I miss it. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. 17 and 18. It says, now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. It says, but we all, with what? Unveiled face. Beholding as in a mirror, what? The glory of the Lord are being what? Transformed into the same image from what? Now, you see why Judas could not be transformed. His face was veiled. He was not sincere. There was something else. You see why Simeon or Simon the sorcerer could not be transformed. He was veiled. Child of God, take away the veil. Take it away. Take it away. You know, the beauty of Christianity, one of the things I pick, you see some Christians. I see a Christian. I watch him. Once you see any Christian, maybe he's old, elderly, rich, mature, whatever. Once you see them carry their age or carry their status in society, know that they are babies. When you see a really born again Christian, he might be 70 years, but when you see him interact with 20 year olds, there won't be difference. You know why? In the spirit, that's the way it is. That person's face is unveiled. When you see a Christian, intellectual attainments everywhere. And when somebody who doesn't have that intellectual attainment talks, you wait for you to finish so that talk can begin. When you see such a people, their faces are still veiled. They're still carrying their accolades. They're still carrying what they achieved in the world. They're still carrying, do you know who I am? They're still carrying all of that. But the challenge is this. No matter the tallest amongst us here cannot jump and touch this ceiling. So that you're taller than me, what advantage is it to you? Are you getting what I'm saying? 
What advantage is it to you? So this is what born again Christians understand. That everything that we are here, it can't move you an inch towards eternal life. It can't gain you an advantage towards the kingdom of God. No. That's why the apostle Paul can say, I labored more than they all. Yet what? It was the grace of God, not I. It was the grace of God. So, with unveiled face, you must tear off everything. Tear off partisanship. Tear off interest. Tear off fears. Tear off things that had held you back. Tear off things you grew up in. Tear off things that, you know, I thank God for the few, you know, of my people here. Listen, if you're not an able man here, you don't understand what it means for an able man to listen to a gospel that is not gospel of prosperity. Because, you see, listen to me. Happy Christmas when they go home. Nobody's wishing. What, when they come, their age mates, they are checking how tall your car is. The house your father left, they are checking, you know, where you have taken it up to. That, that's the language you understand. That's why they hustle. That's why they work that hard. But when an evil man is truly born again, he doesn't care. He has left all of that. It doesn't bother him. And that is the way it should be for every one of us. I am what I am by the grace of God. And what I'm not is also by the grace of God. I get what I'm saying. That's what it is. That's why we, you know, we do all those Malaysia and all of that. They must, you know, they must hit it. But when you're born again, all that pressure is taken off. When you have come into this kingdom, all that demand is nailed to the cross. There's a joy. You now rejoice in righteousness. Your marriage, the average woman wants to prove to you that his wife you know, surrenders to him. So when they are friends and they are laughing in the sitting room, Amaka! And God help Amaka if Amaka answers back from where she is. Emeka um, Ogini! Is it, is it I will know who married who? Is it me you're calling my name like that? Ordinarily, he doesn't mind. Though. But he doesn't want his friends to come and go. And think that Amaka has come into this house now, now and has grown wings. You see, these are traditions. But when you're born again, you drop all those things. That's why I tell you, I, I love Dr. Connors so much. Because he opened my eyes. He opened my eyes. I saw that these things don't have to be the same. But I, I'm using the one I know. But what about your own? What about the things you're holding on to? Nobody can deny that the challenge we have in Nigerian politics today is tribalism. If P2B was Yoruba, he would have cleared up everything in this nation by now. But people are resisting him because of his tribe. Thank God for the many that refuse to be held bound. What I'm saying, I'm saying because I know what I'm saying. People are held bound. He said, how can a man who lives in a society where there's information and say he don't trust evil? The armed robbers that rob in Ijeshatedo, Adebos, or somebody say I don't trust the outsiders. The people that are kidnapping in Omoaya, are they outsiders? You see, exposure will show you that evil is evil. Good is good. There are only two sides to the coin. There is light, there is darkness. There is wickedness, there is goodness. Simple as that. Anything more than that is deception. I get it what I'm saying. Where we are in Nigeria today, people must just rise up. Especially the Christians because the unbelievers' judgment is hindered. He can't see clearly. But Christian, you're a believer. There are some things I expect you should know. There are some stand. We should just stand on the right hand side of God. There should be no other consideration. 
Are you getting what I'm saying? There should be no other concern. We are Christians. That's all we are. It doesn't matter whether you come from this background or you come from this background. And what do Christians do? Christians support righteousness. Listen to me. Praise God. Assuming for some reason, I was unsure whether to support, you know, this wicked Muslim, Muslim uh, ticket. What I saw in Lagos would move me against it. If my people, if I see them in Ehel beating people because their Yorubas don't vote, I will cease to support them. If I see people shooting youth coppers to rig against somebody I'm against, I'll start supporting the person. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Because I cannot support evil. Why can't I support evil? Evil may benefit me, but it's no longer I. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, what? Yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. So I must maintain the interest of Christ in any situation. I don't have to think about it. I just say which one is right. That's where my master will be. Then that's where I shift to. It's the same thing. You know, people have told you here. I don't know if, if you've heard it. If you come for counseling before me, just be ready. In fact, I think women prefer to come for counseling to me. And then women, because I don't spare men because I'm a man. I may not be perfect, but what is right is right. If I tell you, you can get angry. After some time, you charge, you discharge. (laughs) The truth is the truth. Praise the Lord. You have issues with business, you come, we analyze it. I'll just tell you. Because you see, listen, there are things you do. I don't know about you. I don't fall asleep easily. Praise the Lord. Some of us have the privilege of, every night I go to the court of God. And then they start telling me, "Eh, this one, so you said that. Eh." Why did you say it? So I don't want to go to the court of God in the night and the Holy Spirit will beat me and say, what judgment was that? Is somebody getting what I'm saying? We have a master. We are reporting to somebody. So now in Christ Jesus, Paul says, the things which were gained to me. Now, what was the issue? Praise God. Do you know that the persecution Paul suffered was mainly from the Jews? Now, why did the Jews so persecute Paul because when Paul began to preach the gospel a lot of the Jews believed in Jesus after resurrection but most of them that believed in Jesus felt we have a tradition Judaism let's add Jesus on top of what we have do you understand so the Gentiles if you must be born again please come let us give you the primary school of Judaism when you are graduated from primary school of Judaism then you can now enter fellowship with us. So Paul said, no, no. In Christ Jesus, there is neither born nor free. No Gentile, no. We are all equal. They say we must finish this man. He's messing up our advantage. That's the problem he had. Where the Gentiles attacked Paul was when the Jews instigated them. That's how come you could be a great man. Now, amongst most of the people who were trying to hold on to that, Paul would have benefited the most. Because he was a senior Pharisee. He was one of their most intelligent. Schooled in the school of Gamaliel was like Harvard. There were not two that were, that were like so. So if he had agreed to that pattern of gospel, he would have become the archbishop. Let's rise on our feet. I want to go forward. That's our prayer. Lord, I want to go forward. Anything holding me bound, Lord, please, I let it loose. Anything insulating me from your touch, Lord, any pride, 
Anything. Maybe I think I know something. Maybe I think I can do something. Maybe I think I have something. Maybe I think I am something. Lord, please take it away from me. All I want is you. Because God is able. God is faithful. God is mighty. This morning, I surrender my life to you. I have nothing that I'm holding on to. And brethren, as I'm saying this, there are fears also. What fear is hindering you? They told you that where you come from, nobody has ever become rich there. And when you think about being, being prosperous and being, you know, wealthy, stinkingly wealthy in the kingdom, you think nobody in my lineage comes like that. You're also insulating yourself. You must understand the God whom you believe. The Bible says he takes the beggar from the ashes and sets him amongst princes. So this morning, I just want you to open up your heart and say to the Lord, I surrender myself to you. I am born a Christian. I want to grow in the faith. I want to become, oh Lord, Father, all that you intended for me to be. Nothing will keep me. Not my weakness. Not my strength. Not my disadvantage. Not my advantage. Nothing will keep me. No mountain. No stronghold. No imagination will keep me. Lord, if you're married here, I don't know what the experience has been, but this morning you're breaking loose the things that are hindering joy in your marriage. Listen to me, husbands. The joy of a husband is directly proportional to the joy he gives to the wife. And also to the wife, the safety and the pleasure of the wife is directly proportional to the safety and honor he gives to the husband. It is foolish for you to think that I have strong head. I'm a woman liberator. I, we are independent. If you're that independent, then give yourself a child on your own. Listen, God says, I can make you. Do you say to him, Lord, I am available. Make me into what you want me to be. Lord, it doesn't matter how you came into church this morning. It doesn't matter what the experience had been before now. But what we are saying is that in the presence of God, like the song says, what can he not do? He took Saul of Tarsus and transformed him. He took Zacchaeus and transformed him. But Judas, he couldn't because he was insulated. Simeon or Simon, he couldn't because he was insulated. But this morning, I open up my heart to the word of God. I open up my spirit to the word of God. I open up my faith. I say, Lord, I make no excuses. Come and change me. Come and change me. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09 290 9000 or 0703 15 You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.